Hello, I'm Katie Piper, and welcome to my podcast, Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Each episode, I'll meet an amazing person with an incredible story who faced adversity and came through the other side to inspire others. Today, I'm talking to Johnny Benjamin, MBE, a mental health campaigner, author, and blogger. He talks with incredible honesty and insight about how he experienced mental health issues from the age of three. He also discusses coming out to his religious parents and how in 2014, he led a social media campaign to find the man who saved his life on Waterloo Bridge during one of his worst bouts of depression. Hello. Hiya, hi. (laughs) It is great to finally be sat opposite you. One of the reasons I really admire you is you're sort of tirelessly working uh, to help young people in a subject area that really interests me and and fascinates me, and that's mental health, which I suppose some people wrongly think only affects some people, but it affects all of us. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I think some people forget that we've all got mental health. Mm -hmm. We've all got mental health, just as we've all got physical health. And, you know, it's on a spectrum. So just like physical health, some days you you are feeling maybe upbeat and you can take on the world physically. And then some days you feel physically drained and tired. And it's the same with mental health. It's a, it's a spectrum. And, you know, some some days for people are good. Some some days are not so good emotionally. And that that's OK. Yeah. Um, I don't know why we separate, actually, mental health and physical health. Because, you know, it's the brain. It's the brain. Uh-huh. And the brain's an organ, just like the heart or, or the liver or the lungs. And we're all joined up the brain is connected to all of these things so i just yeah i don't really understand why we why we separate it but that's that's the way it is and you are very well placed as an expert to talk about this because you have a very real personal journey mm. um that started very young is that right yeah yeah i mean for me my, my mental health issues i guess started well actually when i was about 3 or 4 years old really how young, can you yeah. pinpoint that then how do you know that so um when I was that age, I started to see things that weren't there. So hallucinations. Um, hallucinations. Right. And um, my behaviour changed around that time. I became I became a lot more anxious and I, I actually became quite violent as well. Right. And, you know, I, I stopped sleeping because right. I was too scared of the night time and, 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 and I'd see things. And that's when it became, yeah, difficult to... to manage and I needed I needed some help and mm. um and my parents they 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 took me to the doctors and, and eventually I was referred on to a, a child psychologist at that yeah. age so that was what three four years old I, I, when I saw the psychologist it would have been about four years old now she kind of she got me back into like a sleeping routine and, right. and, and I became less afraid and um did you I, understand what was no. going on it's too young isn't it no. to really understand looking back now <laughs> I, I I connect it actually to um so when I was that age, uh, I watched um, the BFG. You know, you know, yeah. Roald Dahl's the BFG. I used there was... to love that. Yeah. So that that's what I saw, and then I started to see what I thought was the BFG. Right. Um, so I link it to that that kind of that film that I watched, and okay. my imagination has always been very like overactive. By I didn't understand that at the time. I was scared. I was scared. I was I was I was confused. Um, you know. Then I started primary school, and and. I always just struggled to sort of fit in at school. Yeah. Um, I, I found it difficult to make friends and be on their level. Do you so know you what felt I mean? kind of isolated, do you think? Yeah. I mean, I had I had friends, but yeah. I just, you know, I would always be in the library every every lunchtime and while my friends were playing outside. And I didn't understand what 
the concept was of mental yeah. health. I mean, or even bullying. In like, mm. if you felt isolated and you're in the library, people probably just thought, "Great, you're studious mm. and you're just mm, yeah. shy." Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, and that's the comments that I always got, like in parents' evening and on my reports. Like he's very shy; he doesn't put his hand up ever. Yeah, he needs to talk more. He needs to be more confident. Um, I always had low self esteem, and I was always. My mum actually, she um, she put me into. Um, they didn't know what to do with me because I wasn't into sport or I didn't yeah. have hobbies. So she enrolled me in this um, drama group. Well, eventually I started to love it because I I could be other characters. Do you know what I mean? And okay. when I started to play other characters, um, I, I could be someone else and I could be confident because I wasn't myself. And that so that sense. worked for you, that escapism. Yeah, escapism yeah. for sure. I wasn't like a, a, a typical teenager, you know. I was yeah. Um, Particularly when in my mid-teens and the depression sort of hit in my mid-teens, that was so. That was once you left school. Was that kind of sixth form? Age? Well, it was even yeah in sixth form. That's when it really sort of hit. And um, again, acting acting was my only really escape from it. To be yeah. honest, um, did you know you were depressed? Did you even understand that, or, or you just kind of felt numb? I, had, I just had. I was confused. I was confused yeah. because in my head. You know, I, I come from I come from this really good family. I was doing really well in my GCSEs, and so when I started to get these kind of these low moods that I just couldn't get out of, and started to get emotional, I was just like, I, I just I just couldn't work it out. What was what was going on? I was just like, this this doesn't make sense. You know, I should be. I should, I should be happy, you know. I should because be... logic always makes people search for a cause or a reason, mm, mm, and, and mm. sometimes mental health doesn't work like that. No, it you doesn't. Know, it's does not, it? This happened, no. so that's why I'm no. depressed. You but, know, but no one explains that to you. That's the thing. When I was in school, um, the only sort of mental health education we got was they showed us the film uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh yeah, yeah. And that is uh, frightening. That's that film is frightening, and that stopped me from talking because I saw that film and I was like people don't get better from mental yeah. health issues. That's what I thought. People are crazy. That's what I thought yeah. back then. And they get locked up. And when stuff started going on in my head, I didn't want to talk about it because I thought I would be end up in a place like that. So That's I, so frightening for you. Yeah, it was. And I had I felt I had no choice but to keep it to myself. Um, the thought of, of communicating what was going on um, to my family, to my friends, just seemed impossible. It's sad, but it's quite amazing what you can hide, I, uh-huh. I find, as, as, as well, human beings. I mean, I was able to hide, you know, it, especially when I went to university and I started self-harming and uh-huh. misusing alcohol and um, becoming increasingly suicidal. I mean, yeah, it's amazing how you can cover that up, really. Um, sad, sad how you can cover it up. Was there like a, a, a turning point or a catalyst that made it get this this severity, or it just slowly spiraled? It was it was a slow spiral. Um, I mean, I did I did actually ask for help when I was seventeen. It was my best friend at the time. Actually, he saw things weren't right, and right. he pushed me to go to the doctors, and I did. And I was referred on to CAMS to yeah. the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service, but. I didn't have a great time with them. There was a massive long waiting list, right, as, okay. as there are yeah. today. Unfortunately, these, these massive long waiting lists, and I gave up waiting. And I said to myself, I said, you know what, I'm going to move. I'm from London originally. I'm going to yeah. move from London, and I'm going to go to university, to Manchester, yeah. and I'll leave all my problems behind. <laughs> that sounds so great in theory, but they're inside you. Know, but, <laughs> yeah. you but for me, I was like, no, I'm going to be a, a new human being when I get yeah. to university. I'm going to have a fresh start. It's all going to change. It's, it's all going to get better. So you were really willing yourself. You oh, know, yeah. you were really trying so mm. hard to be this positive person, but it just... Yeah, but university made it harder because um, 
uh, there was just there was new challenges, new, new people to meet, new sort more of isolation. pressures, more isolation. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, I found yeah, and you know, drink was more readily available, and and I was able to hide more. I'd I'd hide. I didn't want to be around people. I felt like um kind of a drain on on on, right. on on people and I it was hard to keep covering up with the mask you know there's only uh-huh. so much I think that you can keep on this sort of mask this this fake smile there's only so much and you can do it's, it's worse don't you think because yeah. you're suppressing natural exactly. emotion exactly did you know inside like I'm really depressed did you know that or were you in denial um I think I was in I was in denial because I you know I kept on saying to myself it will pass. It's just, it's going to pass. It's going to pass. This is just going to pass. And obviously it doesn't just work like that. But I really was convinced that um, I just wake up one day and, you know, somehow it would just sort itself out. Um, well, I think that's what everyone who's been in a dark place prays, don't yeah, they? they you, do, you don't want to be there and you pray no. that it will pass. Yeah, you do. For, for me as well, you know, I, I it was it was the depression, but also there was other stuff going on. You know, I was um, I started hearing a voice, right? Um, okay. And this voice was was telling me to do things, but it was this this voice that was challenging me and telling me if I didn't do it, then I would be punished. You know, someone I loved would get hurt, or I'd I'd get hurt, and so, so scary it was because yeah. And a lot of it, I link I link this to religion. I, I grew up in a Jewish uh, family, and I was really influenced by my religion right, growing okay. up, and. In my mid-teens, I started to struggle with my sexuality. Uh-huh. Um, and obviously, being gay is a, is a sin in, right. in the Jewish religion. And I had so much sort of guilt and shame. And I think, I think there was a link between that and, and that and inner this, conflict. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and the voice, which I thought was kind of the devil that was, that was telling me to do things, punishing me, essentially, yeah. because of me being gay and having to suppress it. And with that, I just thought, well, my whole life is going to have to be a lie because I'll never be able yeah. to come out to, you know, my, my family religious I can't, I can't I can never come out to them and I'm just gonna have to live this this complete life for the rest like of my facade, life yeah. yeah and that eventually you know I had this this breakdown and it was inevitable when I look back it was inevitable um I was 20 at the time and I was in my third year right of university and um I was really I was really depressed I was this voice was telling me to do these things yeah. I was I was delusional I, I believe there were cameras watching me yeah um I just broke it, it just all got to a point where, um, yeah, my mind, I guess, broke. My of mind course, broke yeah. and it couldn't carry on with the, the, the paranoia and the depression and the, uh-huh. the voice taunting just me. Just like the physical body would, had exactly. you been under that amount exactly. of strain physically, yeah. it's the exact same You're kind of science. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I I became psychotic in my, in, my, in my first term of my last year. I was on the streets, I was screaming, shouting. Yeah. And then a few weeks after that, I was admitted to a, a psychiatric hospital Initially, I think I was so embarrassed. I was really embarrassed. My parents had found out now what was going on. They'd had to obviously, you know, I was in hospital. They obviously yeah. found out. And I What was, was the diagnosis? So, so my diagnosis was schizoaffective disorder, okay. which right. is like this combination of schizophrenia and, and right. bipolar. And um, for me, when I got that diagnosis, uh, it just felt like my whole world sort of came crashing down. I really thought that was it. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd had to drop out of university. I, I just thought... <laughs> How the hell do I, you know, recover from 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 this? It just seemed impossible, and I was put into this hospital, and I, I wouldn't talk. I, d- I didn't know how to talk. I really just wanted to kind of shut down for a, a, a long time and just not not engage with 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 because I, I just couldn't do, I just couldn't handle it. My as I yeah. said, I believed my whole life was was over. All the the things that I wanted to do in life, my 
you know, have family and, 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 and a career, I just, it just seemed impossible now. Yeah. I, I was in hospital and they were saying, well, we don't know what's going to happen to you. And, um, How do they try and treat you then? What's their treatment plan? Medication. Right. Um, and we had yeah, medication and there was group therapy. Uh-huh. Um, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking when I look back. Uh-huh. I just, uh, no, I just couldn't cope. I just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't cope with the, the, not just the diagnosis, but having to tell people. Yeah. I found that really, really tough. Not only that I was in this hospital, but that I had this diagnosis, which most people hadn't heard of or didn't understand. And, um, and then having to obviously, you know, people in the hospital, my, my psychiatrist, the nurses were starting to push me about my sexuality. Right. Okay. Um, but again, I couldn't deal with, just as I couldn't deal with my mental health and accept it, I couldn't deal with my sexuality and accept that. So, um, I mean, I spent... Um, it was a month that I had in the hospital before I actually decided to run away from it. How do you run away from a secure unit? <laughs> well, I, again, and I'm not, you know, I'm not proud of this, to be honest. Again, I was so good at putting on a mask. Uh-huh. Um, so with my psychiatrist, even, I'd, I'd, you know, he'd come round and he'd say, uh, you know, how are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm getting better. Um, I was so good at putting on a mask. And so anyway, there was this there, it was this one day it was january 2008 now yeah. and um see I, I planned everything the night before to, i planned to run away the night before right i didn't want to live to be honest at this point so you I, were suicidal. I was suicidal and and i i when i was in hospital you know i was i was suicidal quite severely on a number of different occasions and i would try and talk to people about that and they would say to me right well you know you we need to up your med straight away you need to go back to the suicide ward and, yeah because alarm bells would be mm, ringing for mm. the professionals oh gosh yeah responsibility. oh yeah oh massively yeah but when I, I kept being put back in the suicide ward and the suicide ward is uh you know they watch you 24 7 and of course, you know yeah. they don't sometimes they don't even talk they just sit and they just watch um and you know for someone that's paranoid already Yes, bit of irony there. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I and I just could, I, I I couldn't bear to go back to the suicide ward. And so when I when I in my mind when I when I had that kind of um, uh, direction of of suicide when it, that night yeah. before when I was like right well this is the only this is the only way out of of of, of what I'm going through. There was I, I was like no I'm not going to I can't tell anyone anymore because. Um, I'm going to end up just back in the suicide ward and I just can't... And they'll just block you. Yeah, yeah. and I yeah. just couldn't... So I, I I made the decision to run away. The morning, actually, it was the morning of the 14th of January, 2008, and um, I uh, I said I needed a cigarette from, from, the, from the nurse that was right. on duty. Um, and she let me out for, for a cigarette and I just legged it. As I said, I planned it the night before. I knew where I was going. I, want, I wanted to go to this bridge. Um, and you had no belongings on you, right? No. Do you know what? Uh, I, I, <laughs> I'd kept a diary for many years and, um, I ripped out a number of pages of, of my diary. The, the ones, the pages in the diary that I spoke about my, 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 se- my sexuality, my feelings for men, I ripped yeah. them all out of my diary. I made sure on the way to this bridge, I, <laughs> I took my hoodie off and I wrapped them in my hoodie and I put them in a bin. Um, and yeah, I was just like, then, you know, no, now no one will know. And and yeah, and then I went, I went, I went to this bridge. Which and, bridge? Um, it was Waterloo Bridge in in London. Yeah, I'm um, sure many people listening know that bridge and walk, yeah. walked over that bridge. Yeah. Um, and he was 20 years old. Yeah, I was 20 years old. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I um, I went onto the edge. You know, I climbed over onto the edge. Uh, 
I'd had enough. I'd had enough. I, I, there was no, I didn't see any other way out in my head. And if I'm honest and I hate, I hate saying this, but I thought, you know, it was the best thing for my parents and my family. I totally get it. Because, you know, you don't want to feel like a burden on them anymore. Um, And some people who don't understand will say, oh, suicide is selfish. But when you feel suicidal, it's actually sometimes about trying to relieve the other people exactly, around you. Exactly, exactly. It really is. And 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 honestly, the whole way up to, to the bridge, my, my family, my parents were in my head and I was kind of well, I was I was praying, I was praying and I was saying, you know, please, please look after them. Please, please yeah. um, you know, protect them, please take some of the pain away. Um but you're thinking of them even in those moments. That's yeah. the thing. And that's Yeah, this is it. And people don't people people don't understand, yeah. People people don't understand that. Um, what time of it was the evening? What time? No, no, no. It was it was it was it was morning when I when I went to the bridge. It was morning. Right. Um, must have been about ten ten thirty, right. I think, when I was on the bridge. So it wasn't there wasn't packed because it was after the, the rush hour, um, and I was in my own world. If I'm honest, I was just I was in a bubble. Uh-huh. You know, I just uh, it's kind of like almost trance like, if that makes sense. So, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I was just set on, 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 on this point on the bridge and I wasn't focusing on what was going on, you know, I was just there, um, kind of, you know, trying to get the, the, the will to, to, to jump and take my feet off the edge, which was, uh, I was, I was, I was struggling with, if I'm honest, I, yeah, yeah. I found it difficult. Of course, of course. Um, and then suddenly, then there was this 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 stranger that that was next to me on my on my right hand side. Just this guy's voice. He he was there, and this guy's voice started started talking to me. And it, it you know, immediately I, I kind of it burst my bubble. He said uh, he said uh, he said hi, mate. Why are you sitting on a bridge? Uh, which uh, <laughs> one guess? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he he talks about that now, and he says that was his worst chat up line. Yeah. Like... <laughs> um, he didn't, but to be honest, I mean, I he didn't know what to say. Of course, he didn't. He, no. You know, he was just a general guy, and he didn't know how to. And yeah, I was, uh, and I hate saying this again. I was quite rude to him because. Um, but of course, I I wouldn't expect anything else. Like it's a heightened situation. Yeah. If you had rational thought process, you wouldn't have been on that bridge. No. So you're not going to rationally respond with something Britishly polite, are you? No, it's true. I know it's true. It's true, but you just feel. Yeah, you feel bad. I feel bad. What did you say? Fuck off. Yeah, I didn't know I could swear. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I don't know if we can. Let's hold this one to 10 p.m. Yeah, I don't know. Buzz off. Did you say buzz off? (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, Um, which of course you would say. Well, yeah, I just, you know, I, 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 it took a lot. It took a lot to get me to this point. Do you know what I mean? And then there was this guy who was interrupting me and you know um i knew what he was going to do you know try and talk me you know it's obvious he was going to try and talk me off the edge or something and i was just like no i don't want to hear i don't want to hear what you've got to say i don't want to talk to you um what did he look like so he was uh so i was 20 at the time and he he looked kind of yeah a few years older than me like mid mid 20s yeah he was a you know big a a broad guy muscly kind of um yeah kind of fit looking and um I think actually, you know, looking back, you know, him being a young, another young guy, I don't know. It just seemed... More relatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, There was something about him. But what it was about him really that got me was his, um, 
just his ability to remain calm. He was just calm and and grounded, and yeah. he had this. He wasn't phased. Do you know what I mean? Like he he just was really. Because this is this is London, right? It's not really a place. I don't mean I don't want to sound down on the city, no, but it's not no. like a rural village where no, they'd know. be like, "Oh, that's Johnny. We yeah, his, we know his I dad." Know, you know? Yeah. No. Absolutely. And and I think he took a well, it must have taken so much courage to 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 come and talk to me and also to stay with me. I think you know. We talked for about half an hour. Oh, um, it was ages. Oh my yeah. goodness. But the thing is, um, it was is it was the way that he. He he listened. Um, he asked me lots of questions, and he tried. He kept trying to sort of change the subject, like where did you grow up, and, and and where did you go to school. And the thing was, and and I remember, like he said to me that he grew up in 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 Watford. Oh right, okay. Which is yeah, just north of London. And yeah. I don't know. I I was born in Watford. I was actually born in Watford. This, that's so random, right? Exactly. Yeah. And we had a little sort of connection. And I don't know. Again, there's something about that. I I. Uh, when I was in the hospital, you know, I'd been in the hospital for a month, and yeah. I didn't, I didn't have a connection with anyone. Um, uh-huh. I mean, as I said, when I, whenever I said that I was suicidal, there would be such a quick reaction. People, people didn't have time to to listen. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not trying to criticize. I, I don't want to try. And... No, but no one wants you to kill yourself on their watch. No. So suddenly there's panic of like, whatever you do, don't let this happen. No, but and, and a frenzy, isn't it? Always? It is, and I just wish you know people. And I know it's hard, but people would just take maybe a bit of time to really listen to why that person feels suicidal and what what's going on for them instead of just the medication and just the the suicide ward and just leave them there. Yeah. You, know? you touched on your religion uh, being Jewish. Do you believe in the fate, or do you think yeah. it was an act of God? Like, I know. I think there was. It was meant to be. It was yeah, meant to be. You know, and for sure. I think it was two 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 things that he said that that really kind of got to me. And the first thing was, um, he said, don't be embarrassed. Right. And I hadn't heard anyone say that before. And it was like, I, I know I keep, I, I've, I've, I've kept on talking about embarrassment and shame, but yeah, that was the thing. That was the thing that literally, that, 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 that drove me to, to, to the edge, literally. Yeah. Um, and just for someone to be so, I guess, you know, kind and, and, uh-huh. and compassionate and say, you know, don't, don't be embarrassed. Just, oh, that was really powerful, I think, to hear someone say that and to hear him say that, don't be embarrassed. Because um, it took away, it took away some of the shame and the, yeah. the, the embarrassment um, that I was feeling. And if he was okay with it, then I, do you know what I mean? I, mm. I suddenly felt more okay with it. So when he said that, you, you stood up and you, and you came off the bridge? Well, there was one more thing he said. And I, to be honest, the, the, I remember the thing that really got to me, he said to me, in a very, just a kind of really casual way, he just said to me, he said, you'll get better, you know, you'll be all right. And no one had said that to me before. No one had given you that hope, no. that lifeline. No, because in yeah. the hospital, they weren't, they weren't sure. They weren't sure how I was going to, you know, I was, I was really unwell. And they weren't sure how I was going to get on with the treatment and the medication and if I get better. But yeah, this guy had this conviction that I would be all right and I would get better. And He believed in you. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. So how, I mean, like sat here present day, you have turned your life around and you have genuinely been at rock bottom. When you left that bridge, I guess filled with, not, I'm not going to like dress it up to say full of hope mm. because you're still, you're still mentally unwell. How have you turned your life around from standing up off that bridge to now? <sighs> it, it took a long time. Did you go back to hospital that yeah, night? Yeah, I did. I yeah. went back to hospital. But I was, I, I was, I was sort of a bit, I wasn't, I was a, I had a little bit of hope. I think, I, I, you know, I think we underestimate what hope does. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, and I think the hope that we can give to other people, uh-huh. you know, I mean, last time that I got ill was last year and I had a relapse. And the first thing that my psychiatrist said to me when I ended up back in hospital, she came into my room and she was like, she had a smile on her face and she uh-huh. was like, we're going to get you better. But for me, yeah, the, the thing that, I think the big thing that, that, that turned my life around was the first few years were, after after I was diagnosed with horrendous, I I didn't talk. I didn't I didn't want treatment. I, I this didn't, is after the bridge. After the after bridge, the yeah. Bridge, yeah. I just I was in denial. I was in denial. I thought I just couldn't. I just couldn't accept again. Not just my mental illness, but my sexuality. Uh-huh. And then it was in my mid twenties when I finally finally started started talking. And I when I was in hospital the, the the first time I was in hospital, there was a nurse that used to come and sit with me every single day this amazing nurse and she'd come with and sit with me and she'd say oh do you know my son has just come out as gay oh this is and, her, uh, a subtle like yeah. yeah this is quite cute <laughs> and 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 i didn't understand why she was coming to sit with me every single yeah. day and tell me the same old story about her son coming out i didn't understand it yeah and she was so proud and i was like why are you telling me this every day yeah and it was later that i realized that you know she was tr- she was she was trying to help me to come out and she did of course help. yeah and i'm, I'm, I'm etern- eternally grateful for that um, and eventually, my it was my psychiatrist that kind of really brought it out of me, and yeah, I, I finally, you know, when I finally said the words "I'm gay," did you literally sit your parents down face to face and say, "Yeah, uh, yeah, I did," um, and that was so hard. It was. Do you know what? For me, and I don't know why, but for me, coming out as gay was harder than coming out about my mental health. I get that because there's yeah, I do because if you've been brought up to believe that 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 makes you wrong and that that makes you a sinner, you're facing rejection, you're you're facing yeah. being banished. It's frightening. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. You're right. Yeah, absolutely, you're right. You're I right. have friends that won't come out and they're waiting for their parents to die. You know, it's like it's a deep thing <sighs> See, for some that's people. What I, that's what I was going to do and my psychiatrist yeah. said to me, he said you can't you're going to if you want to get better then you have to tell your parents. Yeah. And, and I finally agreed, and oh, I can't tell you the, I can't, you know, the weight that came away from my shoulders. I can literally. What did they say? Did they just look at you? My mum was shocked. <laughs> so it wasn't a like we know. No, no she was shocked. Okay. She was shocked. Um, my dad, yeah, do you know when I told my dad because I actually told them separately. When I told my dad, I, I, I covered my face. But put, I put my hands in front of my face because it was my dad, and you know. Yeah, yeah. I, it, my my. my role model my sort of my hero and I felt I was going to let him down and uh-huh. um, 
he said to me, you know, take your hands away from your face um, and, you know, don't, don't be embarrassed. And so they it, didn't reject you following uh, that admission? They didn't, and they've been amazing, and I'm so lucky. And everyone, you know, I, this is what makes me so sad, is that, you know, all those, all those years where I spent thinking, oh, everyone's going to reject me, no one's going to accept me, all, that, all that, that turmoil, you know what I mean? And, the, and what gets me is that people go through that now, you know, particularly young people, you know, oh, I can't ever come out, whether it's about mental health or sexuality, because I'm yeah. not, and, they, and when they are accepted and, you know, I know not everyone's accepted, of course, but um, just well, that turmoil, that turmoil of worrying what everyone else is going to think about you, it, it just eats you up. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. I wondered, like, we, we do talk about mental health more and a lot with women. Do you think this is a wider societal issue with men, that, mm. that it doesn't feel okay yet? to do that and that you're a bloke like you know <laughs> yeah. just get on with it yeah. be strong and you yeah know, well, like you know there's still this man up thing and we yeah. you know we we talk to young boys and we say you know big boys don't cry yeah and i i worry about yeah what that does to 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 boys um yeah i i i we need to change that language i think and we need to say it's okay so you know uh, i go into primary schools now and you know i don't i don't need to go in and talk about Everything. My mental health and yeah. the schizoaffective disorder and suicide, but I can talk to them about you know it's okay to have your thoughts and your feelings. It's okay whatever whatever's going on. It's okay to talk about it. Yeah. I think that's such an important message to get to young people. It's okay to have those feelings of of, of jealousy and anger and and, Don't and repress sadness. Them. Don't repress yeah. them. And talk about them. Talk about them. You know. And I think if we can get that to a young audience, it can make such a big difference. I think this is one of the reasons I really admire you because after all that went on. Um, and that one of the key emotions attached to it all was this shame and embarrassment. You went viral with a mm. massive campaign. I mean, it, was it called Find Mike? Yeah, Find yeah. Mike, Find Mike, yeah. So you named the, you didn't know the name of the guy <laughs> on the bridge. No, I wasn't right? sure because it was, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a hazy memory at that point because I'd, I'd blocked it out. I think, yeah, to be honest. quite surreal, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, and 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 so I. I launched this campaign, Find Mike, um, with the charity Rethink Mental Illness. And was it, did someone suggest you do it? Yeah, yeah, they they said, you know, the the thing that happened on the bridge, have you ever thought of trying to find that guy and thank him for what he did? How many years on was this? This was six years now. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And I had to be in a good place, you know what I mean? I couldn't. Definitely, yeah. And I was, I was finally starting to talk and accept and... You know, and that, and I was, in, I was, I was in a stronger plate. I felt stronger. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Why, Mike? Did you think he looked like a Mike? Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is about the name. Mike. Well, my dad's actually called Michael. Okay, so I don't, maybe it's something. I don't know. I just, that, yeah. I, do you know what I mean? It's just in my head. It's um, a warm, friendly name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I had just had Mike. It was Mike. Yeah. And then uh, they said, "Why don't we launch a social media campaign to try yeah. and try and find him?" And and this is the positive power of social, yeah. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It, is. it really is. I mean. It was it was it was the the, the comments and the, and, the, and the letters. I mean, we had people contacting us from 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 Canada and Australia. And no way, Italy. So you it know. was international. It was amazing. Yeah. It was just it was really surreal to be honest. When, what did you put out there? Just a, a small synopsis of what had happened. Yeah, right? yeah, just in kind of like a little advert, and and I put it out, and it just went. And here you are putting out the biggest secret you carried yeah. all your life, the, the one thing you told yourself was shameful and the one thing that's kind of haunted you all, and dominated your adult yeah. life. And, and you put it out there to the world on Facebook, on everywhere. Like That's so admirable. Thank you. I just felt I had to do something because I think it was when I learned, when I, when I started to you know, get involved in mental health and wanted to yeah. make a difference, and then, if I'm honest, I started to learn about the statistics, and particularly the statistics around suicide. Shocking, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, when when someone sat me down and said to me, do you know, suicide is the biggest killer of men under 45 in this country? I just couldn't believe it. And I, and, and I wanted to do anything, anything to... And I met when I met families that had been bereaved by suicide, I mean, it just... Every time I meet, it just drives you on to... You have to do more. You have to You have to do more to... So this is what pushed you yeah. to... And, and so how long did it take for you to finally get to find Mike? <laughs> well, the most unbelievable thing was so we put we put the advert out it was actually six years to the day that we first met cool. and and we launched it and i mean okay so the, in the next few days we had 38 people come forward saying i think it might have been me oh really so as in and that's genuine yeah. as in that many people yeah. help people yeah yeah uh, that restores your faith in does. society it doesn't really it does. yeah it really like when i read these messages okay they weren't who i was looking for but i was just like that's just amazing because there's all these we call them silent heroes yeah you know all these silent heroes that are are, are helping people in distress talking them talking off talking them off the edges yeah. of bridges and just going on their way like the guy that helped me it was just and even though they're not your guy yeah. I feel like it's more the universe sending you messages yeah. like this isn't shameful this shouldn't be taboo absolutely this shouldn't absolutely. be a dirty dark secret no. they, they, like these people care and there are more people like you out here and yeah. this is actually more normal than we exactly. realise exactly exactly yeah this is it and 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 I mean, it, it actually took um, two weeks before the guy that I was looking for yeah. came forward. But um, to be honest, I, I, I didn't think that we'd find him. And actually, I kind of, I just I just thought it was impossible. And, and once these 38 people had come forward, I was like, you know what? If we don't find him, that's fine. Because, you know, we've we've managed to, you know, let people know that people can get better. Yeah. You know, I, I talk... I now talk to, I go into the NHS and I talk to mental health nurses and they, they only see people when they're at their worst point. Oh, they never see the other they rest of it. They never see the yeah. other end and they need to know that, they yeah. need to know that people can get better and what they're doing does help people to get better. People need yeah. to, people need to know that, you know? And so for these people that, that are helping people on the edges of bridges, they need to know that they do have a massive impact and they do help people to turn their lives around, you and know? There are success stories. Are. Yeah. People, people need to know that. But when, I remember when, when they, found him and they sat me down and they were like you know we've, we think we found your guy I couldn't believe it I really couldn't believe it um, yeah and then we obviously we set up a meeting which was filmed at the reunion it was just it was, were it you was shaking just, like, I was yeah I, I, was I would so, be yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I was so nervous yeah I was I don't know I just could, I was just a bundle of a bundle of nerves um, but again there's something about him that's very you know he's just very calm and, and, and I was I was a I was a mess when he walked through the door. Who spoke just... first? He spoke first. Yeah, he spoke first. I was, I was so nervous. Yeah. I can't. It was just. It was. It was just amazing. It was amazing. Another me. surreal moment, I guess. Yeah, it was, and um, just to be able to sit down with him and say thank you. Um, I think what surprised me the most is that he said it had had an impact on him. And really, you know, he said because he did that walk every day to work. He, right, he worked. Right, he right. Was, so he was a personal trainer and he worked in a gym in Covent Garden. So he walked. That across. explains the muscles. Right, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But obviously, he knows a lot about physical health and maybe he also cared about mental health. Do you know what? So he worked as a physical a, a, a PT, a personal trainer, but actually he dealt with a lot of mental health stuff because people would come with their of with their baggage. And so he was able to sort of be there for them and listen to them and yeah. sort of help them, not just through the physical, but through the mental. Yeah, to so, offload. Yeah. Exactly. So he had that. And, and I think that helped with me. I think we talk about that a lot. I think that helped with me. Um, and it was it just, I can't even, it was just amazing to, to be able to sit down and say thank you and 
Are you still in touch now? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you're we, proper, proper friends. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I have to pinch myself sometimes. Yeah. Um, just to think where we, like when we, so we did the London Marathon together last year. Oh, we my ran gosh. It, oh, love we ran that. the whole way together. And, no um, way. Did you run over that bridge? At underneath. We ran underneath at March oh, 25, I think it was. I love you. You're such a hero. You've oh. do, do you know what you've done for me, right? You've taken so much. You've reclaimed a situation. You've taken ownership on a situation. And you've just stormed through it. Like, that for me is a, pro, a proper inspiration. Well, th- no, th- thank you. I mean... Um, that is so motivating. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, uh, I just feel like I have to do what I, I do. Do you know what I mean? I, I Like it's a calling. It's a calling. And I don't have a choice. And I love it. Yeah. I, I This is my life. And, and you know... Some people say to me, "Oh, you're you're, you're brave," and and I just feel like, no, I just have because you, I, I don't know, yeah, I don't know if it's the same for you, but you don't want other people to suffer. No, no, you know, or go through it in silence, and it all feels pointless if they do. You mm. know, you want to make some something good out of it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You just want to help, don't you? You just want to try and make a difference, and and. The thought of you running the London Marathon under the very bridge you were on top of like really excites me. Oh, well, like, it was that's just such a strong <laughs> message. Like... I just, I can't even, I can't even. You know, we were, it was like the 24th, 25th mile and we were exhausted. And then uh, we, we we saw the bridge and I just burst into tears because I was like... So emotional, yeah. Well, and, and I'd just seen my parents, so I was just a mess. And um, it just felt, it felt like a sort of 360, you know. Of just, course, yeah. It was, um, and also for me, I'd, I'd, I'd not been well. I'd just come out of hospital. Yeah, because mental my... health is is a long roller coaster, yeah, right? It it's is, not a... it is, it is. And, you know, it was, uh, I hadn't done any training. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've been in hospital and I've been unwell. And I wasn't even sure, to be honest, if I was going to make the marathon. I really wasn't sure. Uh, my favourite saying is, uh, is fall down seven times, stand up eight. Right. Because <laughs> it's like... You know, no matter how many times you fall down, no matter, I mean, you know, it can be, there was a period uh, about three, four years ago when I, I was in a really bad place again and I was, Uh I was going back into hospital and then I came out, I went back into hospital and um, I was like, I'm not, I'm I'm, I'm not going to get better. And that, that, I mean, that hopelessness when you don't have any hope left. Um, but that's when other people need to be there yeah. to hold hold that hope for you. Do you know what I mean? But you've done you've taken this bigger than that because you've just set up um, a charity beyond shame, beyond stigma. Yeah. Which I totally get the title after all mm. we've been talking about now because yeah. I feel like your whole life you were wrongly riddled with guilt mm. about stuff that mm. now we're in 2018. You know, it's totally normal to be gay and yeah. in parts of society totally understood yeah absolutely not, not everywhere not everywhere because no. sadly we don't live in that world yet no but no your life's been riddled with ill-placed guilt and that must have played a big part in in your journey the guilt the guilt and the shame i mean it 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 for me that's worse yeah that's been worse than the symptoms if that makes sense yeah yeah, it's the guilt and the shame, and for me, again, I it's about what other people what other people think of me. That's been the biggest thing throughout my life. You know, what yeah. what, what other people think of me. Um, Most of our problems in life mm. are ba- are based on our worry of what other people oh, think of us. That's so sad. I think that's so, so like, sad. When mental health, body image, um, academic achievement is always on what you know what other people think of us. So, yeah, and I'm doing something at the moment which is called um, CFT, which is compassion-focused therapy, which is okay. quite new, actually, to the UK. And basically, it's all about self-compassion. You know, I I used to 
beat myself up. Like, uh, you know, I, the way that I speak to myself uh, is I would never speak to anyone else yeah. like that. You know, the, the way I was so Your inner hard. voice, yeah, 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 and 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 just felt so horrendous about myself. The, the loathing, the self-loathing, just became normality, and I was like, well, this is just me. But no, you can break out of that, and and you can learn to be. I, I never thought I could ever. This is going to sound really. I never thought that I could really sort of love myself. Yeah. Uh, it just seemed impossible in my 20s. Uh-huh. But now, you know. It's a hard thing to say, isn't it? Sorry, I've made no, you emotional, no, haven't no, I? No, it's absolutely fine. But this is okay. This no, is okay. okay. <laughs> this is normal. Like, it's normal. And it's, you know, you know what? Yeah, it's, uh, I just, it again. Uh, can you say those words to me that I love myself <laughs> or you can't say that? No, I can. It's still, um, it's hard. It's it's just it's hard, isn't it? It's so hard in the, in this world because uh, the depression and and the low self worth and uh, you know feeling suicidal. I mean, when you get to that point, it's it's well, it's, it's just it's, it's, it's no words to describe it, is there? Really, the the hopelessness. There isn't. But now I feel so ho- hopeful because if mm. ten years ago I said to mm. you, "Come on a podcast and talk to me," yeah. and you're going to cry, <laughs> and, and you'd be like, "Absolutely not." No, absolutely. <laughs> but we're ten years on, and no, and this is this is brilliant what, the amount of people you're going to help like this is you're so powerful oh, thank you I, mean, I think I might look up the CFT therapy yeah. I think that Honestly, sounds it's, good it's, 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 ma- it's making a difference it's really making a difference yeah. you know I can look in the mirror now and you know not <laughs> you know not hate, hate what I see and that is that's huge. that's huge and yeah if I can do that then anyone can yeah. you know you really you can and uh you can change. You can yeah. change. That's the thing. You can. Even when you're, yeah, from, from absolute, absolute rock bottom, you know. And, 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 and again, it needs to be not just you, but the people around you. So, so the people in, in the psychiatric hospitals and, and, and the, yeah. the mental health nurses and, and your family and your friends, you know, if they can, they can be around you and be positive. We don't have enough of that positivity, I feel, sometimes. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, it's so powerful, it is, isn't it? Can't, I just can't underestimate it. I just think you've given so many great messages to people listening. So much hope to me and and to everyone downloading this. Um, just to finish, anyone that has been listening that wants to know more about what you do, could tell me just a, a few more lines about yeah. um, your charity sure, and how yeah. people can access it. So, so um, we just set up a brand new website just type in beyond shame beyond stigma and essentially we are going to be um providing help and support to young people who are in in schools in colleges and universities we know that three quarters of all mental health issues begin in adolescence Mm. and there's just not the the help and the support and the education so we're doing that we're going to be a grant giving charity give so many amazing things happening around the country and they don't have enough money and support so we want to give money to all those amazing things and to go into the schools and the colleges and the universities and to to help from an early age that early intervention can make such a difference but it's not there at moment so rather than put a plaster on the cut you want to stop the cut from happening yeah and, absolutely yeah. and if but if it does then there is help and support yeah. there you know yeah. um we of course we want to we want to help prevent but we also want to because uh, there's not that support people at the moment are waiting an average of six months for, for mental health support yeah in, the, in this well even more in some places and by then it's too it's late it's too late yeah can't wait you wouldn't if you had a heart attack you would never wait for six yeah. months to have treatment do you know what i mean like absolutely it's not fair it's not right so 
Yeah, so that's what we want to do. We want to we want to put things in place from an early age to to help people. Well, it's excellent. You're doing such a good job with it, and and we're so lucky to have people like you fighting our corner when when we are voiceless. So I hope thank long you. may it continue. Well, thank you for this opportunity. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, I'm talking to Becky O'Brien, a woman who stunned the audience of Britain's Got Talent in 2015 with her amazing singing voice, as well as her incredible story of leaving an abusive marriage. She's now a domestic violence campaigner and one of the most positive people I know. If you enjoyed this, please help us spread the word rate and review the show where you got this or share on socials.